0: Thank you, Pastor Ben, for allowing me to to teach uh, on this uh, uh, Christmas morning. I think it would be appropriate for me to explain the emergency procedures. If there is an <laughs> alarm goes off, you go out the doors there in the case of fire. Just so you guys know, last time I taught, the fire alarm went off. We had a big break. So, Anyways, let's, uh, so let's pray that that doesn't uh, happen again. Lord, as we gather together uh, to remember uh, your birth, Lord, help us to... Uh, Just get a tiny glimpse. So, think of that silent night. All the prophecies fulfilled. Thank you so much for this church and for the opportunity to celebrate this time, we ask that you quiet our hearts and help us to just ponder those things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Uh, I thought about uh, doing the, the quite famous Christmas uh, section in Hezekiah chapter 3. Hezekiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I figured uh, I have spent so much time trying to find it in our Bibles, so... Uh, Instead, I'll have us turn to Luke chapter one. Surprisingly, so Christmas means a lot of things to different people. For for many, it's it's a joyous time of family get-togethers, a, a remembrance of of when you were children, or some are children here now. Try not to uh, be too disruptive. I know we we sang a lullaby just before I got up here, you know. So wake up, kids! But um, uh, and those kind of things. For others, it's a, it's a very depressing. It's a it's a hard time. Uh, maybe a, a difficult childhood. Maybe not so many Christmases that were so nice, or or very lonely times. And I hope, hope we remember that and and are sensitive to that. And if there's people around that you know are struggling in those kind of things, be sensitive to that. And and you know, do whatever God leads you to do. But this is an opportunity not only to enjoy the Christmas that we have. But to help those who are struggling during this time, to share the love of Jesus Christ, right? For many, uh, you know, Christmas is about what Santa, you know, and time off work, holidays, uh, family parties. It's about anything almost in Christ. Now, occasionally you'll go into the shops and you'll see a nativity scene, won't you? But I was up in Rouse Hill, you know, and they've got these big glass displays that you kind of expect to be a nativity scene. You walk up and there's these fairy frog things or something. What does that have to do with any, you know, people will celebrate anything other than the truth of what Christmas was about. Uh, but we know what it's about, and it's a Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, I'm going to go quickly at the first part and focus on a particular section. You guys, I, I hope, have heard this story before. But remember that in the first part there, uh, we get introduced to a, a gentleman named Zacharias, was married to Elizabeth, who is barren, in the chapter one, and an angel comes to him, and of course that angel we know is Gabriel. He comes and he is says to Zechariah there in verse thirteen to not be afraid. Your prayers, what prayers? The prayers for a child. They were not able to have children. They've been heard. Uh, your wife, even though she's in old age, will bear you a son, and you'll call his name. John. I like that name. I think Gabriel did a good choice there. Or God should get a good choice. and It means God is gracious. That's what the name John means. And he says, God is gracious. I'm about to send the Messiah. Here is a sign. John the Baptist will be in the power and likeness of Elijah to make the way straight for the Lord. And so the angel explains some of these things to him. And I want us to fast forward just a little bit here And look um, in verse 18, it says, And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Now, oftentimes we just say, "Ah, I mean, I get this picture of, Dude. I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, you better listen to me, but I really don't think that is his attitude at all, right, I mean, Gabriel is, Gabriel is one of these guys that, um he's an angel, now the word angel simply means messenger, and the word angel is used for the angelic beings that we know, it's used for pastors, it's used, even Jesus is used as an angel, a messenger of that good news. But Gabriel seemed to have the headlines. He always had the big news. He was going to Mary. He was going to Zechariah. He seemed to be the one who had the the headlines. He was the the front page guy. And he goes and he says, you know, I'm telling you these things. I'm not just a prophecy that you're reading about an obscure little thing. I am telling you firsthand that I was standing in the presence of God. God told me to tell this to you. And you're not believing me. It's one of those things where he's saying, you understand that I stand in the presence of God and I'm now sharing this with you. So it gives it more weightiness. It's like, I I got it firsthand. There's not Chinese whispers here. I didn't get it wrong. I'm standing in the presence of God. But I want you to take special note of that because oftentimes we forget that part of the story as he goes on and says, because you don't believe these things, of course, he wasn't able to speak until his son was then born. And then we get... Further on the story, of course, that same angel, Gabriel, appears to Mary, and he uh, goes and tells her that she's going to have the baby Jesus. And she also questions how these things can be, but uh, seems to be a different attitude from her. And, of course, Gabriel just lets her know that the Holy Spirit will come upon her, and that she will have this child, and she will have, uh, have a virgin birth. And then she says, I am going to uh, be as you wish. And then we get to verse 39. So we went a little bit fast through the Christmas story there because I want to focus on something that I think is very important for us. There in verse 39, it says, Now Mary rose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city um, of uh, Judah. And uh, then she goes, of course, into the house of Zechariah. She meets with Elizabeth and then she sings this song in verse forty-six. Sorry, I'm fast-forward a little bit more. I thought it was there, but next section there. Um, and then she goes and gives prophecies. Chapter two. Welcome to chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> and it came to pass <laughs> in those day, days that a decree came out, and of course they know they had to travel to Bethlehem. We have the picture there of a. a, a of Mary and Joseph and a donkey going to Bethlehem. And in verse 8, it says, Now there were the same country, shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, to behold an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Remember when Joseph and Mary come into Bethlehem, there was no room for them in the end, right? And so they were told they had to go somewhere, right? Where did they have to go? They had to go to the stable. Now, I hate to, to break the news to you, but the stable was probably not like we think of a barn today. It would have been a cave where they would uh herd the animals there in the Bethlehem area. But here's my uh son's little nativity uh, scene. So we've got we've got the uh the barn, remember, so you've got the scene here, and, and we had a few things happening there. Remember, Mary and Joseph come along. and they come along. And they there's Joseph there, and there's Mary. I'm sure they look just like this. And uh, and then we had a few other things that came along, right? We've got uh, let me see, we've got the uh, wise men. Oh wait, they don't come around for another year, so we don't need those. <laughs> get rid of those. Uh, let me see what else we have. Oh, we've got a few animals here to get around this because it's you know it is a stable. Right? All right, and and Mary's pregnant. She looks kind of chubby there, but uh, anyway, she'll she'll have her child in a little while. But we uh, were then introduced here in chapter two and. And, and talking about how in verse eight, it says there were some shepherds that were in the fields. And I have no shepherds, but I do have a field. And there's, here's some sheep. And so we'll imagine he's the shepherd for now. So I for, somehow forgot the shepherds. So here's, here's a shepherd and there's the sheep. And what has to say here? It says that an angel came. And, and we don't know. We're not told who the angel is. Got the angel here. I'm sure. That's how he looked, you know, a little baby face. and... Uh, you know, when I read about angels in the Bible, what does it say? People are so afraid of them. I'm not real afraid of this one, but you get the idea. Okay, so we've got an angel that appears to the, the shepherds. And what does it tell us here? And I want us to take special note of what the angel tells to them. It says there in verse 8 that there were in the same country shepherds living in the fields. They kept watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Now, when I picture the angel coming and appearing and showing themselves to the shepherds and the sheep are sleeping, I guess, and, and, and showing this, I often picture the angels being quite glorious because we're told that when people saw the angels, it was quite amazing. But what does it say here? It says not that the angels were glorious, did it? Look, it says that the glory of who shone around them? The Lord. The Lord. When we read about the glory of the Lord shining in the Old Testament, it happened when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and the glory of the Lord came on that tabernacle. It's called the Shekinah glory of God. It was the weightiness that you could feel the glory of God around them. And this angel that appears doesn't go to Herod, the king. Doesn't even go to Mary and Joseph. I already visited them. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and we, doesn't go to the priests. He goes to the shepherds, which were the lowliest possible positions. I, I don't know what we might equate that to today. Maybe computer IT people, you know, they're the lowliest, <laughs> lowliest of people. And the angel comes to them to make this announcement. And the glory of God is there. The glory of God is there. And it says that they were greatly afraid. I think so. And then it says, verse 10, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And so they're told they're going to see the baby, and he's going to be in a manger. Now, most mangers you see are made out of wood. Uh, again, they, they, probably not that. They would have been made out of stone. Wood was very precious back then. They had a lot of rocks, so they'd have built it out of stone. But it's okay. You don't have to throw away your manger. You can just keep it there and this one's got a little halo but uh, so we have baby Jesus there and of course now Joseph is there and they're they're supposed to go and then most of the most of the manger scenes you see have a, an angel there right It doesn't say that their angels were at the manger scene i suspect that at the birth of Jesus all angels were there all angels all demons everybody was there to witness this one time in history event so you get the angel kind of always sitting on the top and, and Another little lullaby, which is going to put everybody to sleep. Sleep in heavenly peace. All right. The uh, angelic beings who we just saw stand in the presence of God. Now imagine you're Gabriel, standing in the presence of God. And he says, Gabriel, come here. Big news, big news coming. Come on, come on, i got a message for you. And then he tells him, I want you to go. I want you to give the message to the shepherds. Uh Huh? Shepherds? I can kind of understand Mary, maybe Joseph. And here's the message I want you to do. I want you to say glory. It's a glorious day. Joy. Singing how wonderful this event is. I want you to go and just let everybody know how, how exciting this moment is. Okay, all right. Glory to God in the highest, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. You'll find find God as a baby Wrapped in swaddling clothes? You know, swaddling clothes is what they would do for burial, not for birth. They would just strip the clothes, probably from their own clothes, rip their clothes and just make something to, to swaddle him into put these wrappings on them like a mummy. And then you're going to find him in a, a feeding trough. You're going, to, you're going to find him. He's going to be in this trough for animals to eat in, in a city called Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. And he's, he's going to be food for the animals. Get away there, donkey. Stop trying to eat to see Jesus yeah. And I want you to just think for a moment Gabriel, standing in the presence of God, we read about some of these events in Isaiah and Revelation, Ezekiel, where we get these heavenly scenes, and the in the throne room of God is there, and the angels are around the throne room, and they're they're falling on their faces and glory, 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 and they're not doing it because they're robots. You know, I, I think about those little, do you those little birds that had red fluid in there, and it would dip down every so often. They, they don't do that every time the water cools off and or heats up. And then they, 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 it's just they see the glory of God, and they, wow, oh, how incredible! And we get that opportunity as well, to see the glory of God. And here's Gabriel saying, "I've got to say, what? Have you guys ever seen a baby?" Oh, they're so cute. You know, little sitting there, and usually their arms can't even find, they're hitting themselves, you know, you gotta hold their arms down, they don't hit themselves in the face, and, and they're absolutely good for nothing. They can't feed themselves, they can't change themselves, they can't do anything. Oh, we like to think of how cute the little baby is, but imagine having stand and stood in the presence of God. I want you to go tell the people how wonderful this is. I am going to come and be this little baby. God, really? Really? I mean, you are glorious. And you're telling me to tell people to rejoice that you're becoming this, this little helpless baby that needs a mother just to feed and to change it and to keep it alive? You are the creator of the universe. And yet you became a little tiny baby in a house of bread, in a manger, in the lowliest of conditions, with no announcements, nothing. I, just, I wonder, of course, we're told in Peter that the angels see what God is doing and, and, and just kind of shake their heads. They, they, they try to figure out what, what God probably sees in us. I don't know exactly what they ponder. I was like, what do they see in us? Have you ever done something dumb? I shouldn't say dumb. Something crazy because you're in love. Yeah, no. Maybe you haven't done that yet, or maybe you have, you know, I I remember Going to Tina's house with her parents and, and with a guitar and the whole thing and throwing the stones up the window and calling and, and, and sitting out in the front yard and all the neighbors looking at this guy serenading Tina. You know, you you do silly kinds of things, humiliating kinds of things, oftentimes because of the love that you have and you just want to show. I feel just so. I just want to. I want to express to you. That I am just willing to stand in the front yard and have all the neighbors kind of look at me and laugh because I want to show you that I love you. And I see God saying, you know what? I'm going to come as a lowly little baby in a lowly scene. And I'm going to tell the shepherds to go, and I'm not going to make it a big deal. And I'm going to do it because I just I just love you guys so much. That I, I just want to show you these things. Amazing. Of course, we know that when we celebrate Easter, we often point to the cross, and rightly so. Uh, Romans chapter five tells us that is because His death was a-, a showing us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us because of His love. There's, there, there's exactly correct. But did you know that at Christmas time, when we look or we think of the manger scene, the, the the event that happened, and yeah, it's probably not December 25th, but that's fine. Whenever we celebrate that and look at that and remember what God did, we're to remember that this is God's loving us, that he did it because he loves us, the birth. Now I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. So just go to the right a little bit. Philippians chapter 2 picking up in verse 5. Paul writing the Philippians tells us, let us let this be this mind be in you. okay so he's telling you, I want you to ponder these things okay I want you to think about this, which was also in Christ. So Christ also was thinking on these things who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on a form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name. Which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth. That every that and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul talks about this here, and he says, you know, this should be on your mind. That God being God, Jesus being God, think of Gabriel, just picturing that. The glory of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God. He is God, but was willing to come down and become a man. The book of Ruth explains all that as to why that is. But he wanted to come and dwell among us and to be a savior so that he could have us for eternity to be able to live with him. As we look at the cross, we think of Jesus' love for us. But oftentimes when we look at the manger scene, we think, oh, how cute the little baby is. But you know, God gave up so much to be a little man. So he could then ultimately grow up and die on the cross and save us. So I hope that when we're looking at the manger scene, we remember that God loves us. That should be the, the picture that we see. God's demonstrating his love towards us. And that fits so well with the the Galatians study that we're doing on the the Sunday, because if you continue on, here's your homework assignment. If you continue on and read what Paul then gets to, because he's the next word on that that page is therefore, right? Ah, what is that? I challenge you. He tells you therefore, because you now know what God has done for you by being this little baby. Therefore, what do you do? What's the response? What's our response to that? Now when I think of Christmas, isn't it kind of odd that we give each other gifts on Jesus' birthday? I imagine your birthday. Everyone comes over to your house and they exchange gifts with each other. <laughs> I know there's you know the tradition is similar to what the Magi did and, and gave gifts to Jesus <laughs> and Mary and Joseph uh, but we, we do this to remember the gifts but It's kind of odd that we give gifts to each other and Jesus is kind of sitting there on the manger scene over there in the corner. It's Jesus' birthday. Let me ask you a question. What does Jesus want for his birthday? What does Jesus want for his birthday? I know the shops are closed. Maybe a little too late to go and get something for Jesus. But there are some things that Jesus wants from you on his birthday. The first one is he wants you to accept a gift. On Jesus' birthday, he wants you to accept a gift that he gives to you. That's what he wants. Can you imagine? Oh, well, me going to my wife, Tina. What do you want for Christmas? Oh, all, or all, what do you, what do you want for your birthday? All I want to do is for you to accept this new woodworking tool from me. Bonus. All right, cool. Uh, what, a, what an amazing God we have. What is that gift? Of course, we're told in John 3.16. Have you ever thought about that in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, oftentimes we think of John 3.16 as talking about the crucifixion, and it is, in a way, because that's the sacrifice. But he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life and everlasting, we're told in John 17, is to be in communion with God, to know God and the one who sent him. That is it. And in Romans, we're told that if we confess our sins and we put our trust in Jesus Christ to save us, we receive that gift. We have eternal life. All we have to do is say, God, I'm sorry. I've done things my own way. I realize I'm a sinner and I, I don't deserve to be in your presence, that glorious God. But I know you've come as a man and you, you grew up and you had a sinless life and you died on a cross for my sins to pay the penalty. I accept that gift now and I accept you into my heart. I want to live for you. I want to live with you forever because you love me so much. And I realize you love me so much because you came from the glorious throne room to a baby and then died on a cross. And I accept that gift. And in accepting it, we are told in the Bible that the angels rejoice when one sinner turns away and accepts that free gift. That's what Jesus wants for his birthday. But let's say you've already given him that gift last year. We're told in verse Peter, chapter 1, we're told that God seeks holiness from us. Holiness. We should be holy because he is holy. He loves us so much. That even though he saves us from our sin, he doesn't want us to still wallow in our sin. Because he knows it just leads to bad things. So he desires for us to seek holiness and to seek him and to be more like him. Motivation, why do we do it? So that God's happy with us and then we get more gifts? No, because we see what he already has done. Okay, So that's what he wants. He wants holiness from us. And I think the most important thing that we can think of as believers that Jesus wants for us is a relationship. You know, we do our Christmas, a uh, few Christmas gifts at, on Christmas Eve. We like the the nighttime, the, the, the tree lit up, the you know, the hot cocoa, that kind of scenes thing. So we, we like that. So we open up some gifts. And here's Tina and I sitting on the couch, and there's Silas opening up gifts. And we don't—we didn't really get anything for each other. It was just kind of like, all we wanted was to be able to spend time as a family. All I wanted from Silas was his time. I didn't want any. I mean, it's great that he made me this and made me that. And I love that kind of thing, because it, he spent time thinking about his dad, and I can cherish those things. But all I really wanted is time. So I appreciate that you guys all took the time today, in the busyness of the holidays, to come here and spend time with Christ as a group. But let me challenge you, just spend time with him today, this week, for the rest of your life, every day, just being in the Word, in prayer, the gathering of the saints, singing worship songs. That's what Jesus has on his Christmas list. And You guys did some of that today. This was wonderful. And if you don't know Christ, please accept Him now. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you came As a little baby. Oh, sometimes we just think how cute you were, must have been, and how cute a little baby must have been. But in reality, as we think about what Gabriel must have seen and how glorious you are, and to have given up those things to come in and be that little baby, I wonder if the angels kind of shook their heads. and just thought, wow, you, God, must really, really love these people. And I just don't think, well, I know, we don't get it, God. We cannot possibly comprehend your love. But, Lord, I pray that you kind of give us a glimpse, even today, as we celebrate this time of year, your birth. And as we look at a manger scene, perhaps in our house or in the shops or or wherever it is. Help us to not just look at it as a, a neat little thing that happened, but help us to look at the baby and just be reminded of how much you gave up, how humiliating that must have been. But you count it as joy that you could just demonstrate your love to us in this way. And that you could sacrifice yourself, that we could spend eternity with you. We love you and we thank you for this time and thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray.